Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Morning, everyone. Afternoon, everyone. Sorry. Or morning. Welcome to services here again. It is, as Pastor Adrian said, 153 days until Passover. The snow hasn't fallen, but it's starting to feel like it's around the corner, especially this morning. We are coming up on nearly five years as a congregation. Hard to believe that we are that far into our time here in Burlington. And much has happened over the five years. Consider all of the various teachings we've gone through, the doctrines we've dug into in a more deep fashion, the growth of our youth who were five years younger than they are now when we started and are now adults are nearly there. All those that have been added to our group, those who have passed through our doors and have been edified or affected by us and consider where we were in February 2013 when we first came here, first held a service, all that we've been through, all that we've learned, all the new brethren, the baptisms that we've that we've seen here over the course of the five years. After the feast is always a good time to reflect. Now, I know we're three weeks after the feast, but we're still we're still in post-feast mode a little bit. I want to take you to Nehemiah chapter 9 as we start. After the feast is always a good time to reflect on where we are personally, congregationally, even congregationally is one of the Items that we've been learning about over the recent years. Nehemiah chapter 9. Something interesting happened here after the feast. We're a couple of weeks beyond this now. But verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 9. Now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting in sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. And for another fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. So we're a couple of days after the feast here, after we recall the story of, of this group of Israelites, who, under the the guidance of Ezra, were relearning all about the Holy Day plan. We covered it quite a bit at the feast. And here, following the feast, they are, in a period of fasting, coming together. We won't take time to read the, the prayer and the song of praise here, where they praised the Father and their God. Let's move forward to chapter 10, after they had come together on this day and read the law again for one-fourth of the day and worshipped together another fourth of the day. And we have an example of their worship there. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 1 says, Now those who placed their seal on the document were. So we have a recommitting to their covenant here. And we won't take time to read all those names. I just ask you to drop your eyes down to verse 28. Now the rest of the people 
the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the people of the lands to the law of God, all those that had gone through this process beginning in chapter 8 where they they discovered everything there was to know about the law of God and the, the, the holy day season and discovered the, this, these wonderful feasts and the fact that the, they made booths and kept the Feast of Tabernacles for the first time. All of those people who had separated from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, these joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and his ordinances and their statutes. So they came together after the feast and recommitted to this covenant and and placed their seal, signed off on this covenant that they would agree to. If you want to flip to the next slide. We, some time ago, developed a roadmap that I'd like to revisit today a little bit as we begin the message. In accordance with the vision and mission developed by the Canadian ministry, we developed this roadmap. You'll recall we passed out laminated copies. Um, and I think most of us have them. I do want to get one back to uh, um, Joanna and Alex. I know they don't have one. And if anyone was not here when we passed them out, we do have a few extra copies. Just to let me know. But we see this here, the Burlington roadmap that we developed here, as you recall, as a congregation. What I would like to do today is review this roadmap in preparation for another year. What can we do this year to be a better congregation? What can we do this year to fulfill some of these things that we committed to as a congregation? And we're going to start by just going over the roadmap. Then we'll get into... uh, the bulk of the message once we get through this. But as we, before we get to the roadmap, I'd ask you to turn back to Philippians 1. Philippians chapter 1. We went here last week. It's, it's been a scripture that I keep coming back to as we heard at the feast. And it's one that has been on my mind for the last number of months since we began the study of Philippians and have gone back and forth to it several times. And this this fundamental scripture that, that we talked about again last week, verse 27 of Philippians chapter 1, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you may stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. So you'll recall last week we linked this passage to the messages of Elihu in the book of Job. I want to begin today just by reminding us of this very fundamental scripture. It's not listed on our roadmap, but as we grow as a family, as a congregation, this should be one of our key texts as we remind ourselves that how we behave together is important and is the reflection of the gospel of Christ, as Paul says here. As we continue to put on the mind of Christ, both internally and preach the gospel externally, this should be one of our key texts that we hold as a fundamental truth. We talked about our mission, and I will take the 
first 10 or 15 minutes here of the sermon just to go over our roadmap. It, it, the mission here, up at the upper left, we work within the GTA to preach the gospel to all nations and to prepare God's people for their marriage to Jesus Christ. One of the scriptures references Matthew 28. We won't turn there, but what I would like to do is go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I would encourage you, if you so desire, to take that roadmap and review the scriptures to remind ourselves why, what we agree to as a, as a group. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Beginning in verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, Paul tells the Corinthian people. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So we have a twofold mission as, as the body of Christ and as our, our little part here in the body here in, in the Burlington area to preach the gospel to all nations within our environment where, where we have the ability to do that. And we certainly are doing that and, and are talking about other ways to improve how we do that. And we also are here to prepare each other, to prepare the, the body here for marriage to Jesus Christ as is reflected here in this passage by Paul. Let's go over to the vision on the right side. The vision, if I can remind us, it says we are a dynamic, actively serving congregational family that worships God in spirit and in truth. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. We'll choose one of those to look at briefly here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A lot of adjectives there. Dynamic, actively serving, family. Let's focus on the actively serving part. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then he continues to expound in the the subsequent verses what he means by that. And that is certainly something that that we have learned, that we have taught, and that we are learning together how to be better at. And that is God provides us with gifts, so not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the body, as he says here, for the profit of all. So that sort of, we built our vision, again, based off of the, the... grander vision of the CGI Canadian ministry. In addition, and we won't take time to read, to go through these scriptures, but our core values that we did, that we referenced, caring, courtesy, and consideration. Let's take, actually, let's do take some time. We have some time. Let's make the time. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Care, courtesy, and consideration. We're certainly learning more and more with each passing month and year, how we can be more effective through that. Verse 32 tells us, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That sort of summarizes and was the, the scripture we, we chose in regard to caring. Courtesy, if you go back to Galatians 5, 
courtesy tells us, the message we, the scripture we chose here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, for you, brethren, that's verse 13, Galatians 5, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So as we, we develop these values that support our vision and mission, and then, of course, consideration, Hebrews chapter 10, just briefly. Hebrews chapter 10. We won't go through all the scriptures up here. We'll stop here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So how we care for each other, the courtesy that we show each other in our actions, and the consideration we give to one another. Again, similar words, but all providing different, different concepts of what God expects of his people. If you recall, we did a survey with uh, Pastor Ramakan, and our strengths that came out of that survey that best described us as a loving congregation, an edifying congregation, and a safe congregation. And then the goals... Again, we won't take time to go through those scriptures there, but our goals, to be best in class in the preaching of the gospel, that means to live up, the, the, the phrase best in class refers to living up to the standards of Jesus Christ. To be best in class in the preaching of the gospel, to be a model Christian community, to retain youth for Christ as they transition into adulthood, and to nourish new and mature converts. This roadmap sort of presents the the, gives us a, a, a feel for what we, from, from Scripture, what we see as our mission, our vision, and how we anticipate getting there. And again, our two fundamental principles in pursuit of excellence and to be the safest place. In the top center was one item that we, I skipped over purposefully, and it's called our guiding principle. So we've, we understand we've got a mission, what to do. What to, here's what we want to do, what we believe God has us doing. We have our vision here. Where, where, where do we want to end up? Here's what defines us. Here are some goals that will support the vision and the mission. Right here, is kind of the crux of the, the, the message that we wanted to get to today, and that is, how do we do it? How do we do it? And this guiding principle, right in the center, right at the top, we ought to know how to behave ourselves in the house of God and to make our congregation the safest for believers. And that's where I would like to turn back to the scripture that Landon read, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3. How do we accomplish all of this? These are lofty goals, goals that keep us moving forward, keep us future-oriented, keep our minds off ourselves and on the mission that God has us doing, letting everybody know what this gospel is and preparing the body for the marriage to Christ. How do we go about that? 
1 Timothy 3, verse 14, as we heard earlier, says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that I may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So Paul here was concerned about how the group conducted itself together. How, again, and going back to another fundamental truth that we have been continuing to learn about, and that is behavior. And what that behavior supports is verse 16. Without controversy, beyond a shadow of a doubt, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. How we accomplish all of this revolves around how we behave together, how we interact with one another. This mystery that is the plan of God is on display through our actions and our interactions. We can't very well preach the gospel if we don't behave the way the gospel tells us to behave and how we, how we interact together. And that's what Philippians 1 really tells us. Let's go back to Romans 13. So we begin to break down the how-to. Romans 13. We know the fundamental quality that underlies all that we do is agape. Something that we understand that we has been one of our main focuses, but something we need to continue to improve on, to continue to put on the mind of Christ. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. This is an interesting scripture. We've talked several years ago about this phrase, one another. But the word another is used here twice. It's actually two completely different Greek words. Here we see we owe no one anything except to love one another. That love one another is a lay loan, a lay loan, number 240 in Greek. And it refers to mutuality, to, to uh, reciprocity, duplication of efforts. It requires, it requires two people, a minimum of two people, and it requires interaction. You can't, and here the, in the English phrase is one another. But this Greek word refers to reciprocity, mutuality, mutuality of actions. Further along is the same word, same English word, another. It is a different word. It's the Greek word heteros. And it specifically refers to another person. So not one another, but simply another person. So it's, it's interesting here, what Paul says here, is that the command to love one another is a mutual thing. It is a mutual thing. While we love other people, the command is for the body, is to love one another. Nearly five years ago, and I could not believe it was nearly five years ago, we reviewed the list in scripture of the one another verbs the about 35 of them that these verses became the staple a staple of our community 
And we see that often in our bulletin where we refer to them in the sidebar of our weekly bulletins. What I would like to do for the next few minutes, 30 minutes or so, we're not going to go through all of them. But what I have here is, and thanks to Caitlin for putting all this together, this is not my work. I would like to review some of these. We're going to go through this and and remind ourselves of the how-to. How do we accomplish what we want to do as a body? How do we fulfill what we said we would do on this roadmap of preaching the gospel and taking care of one another, preparing preparing ourselves for the bride of Christ, fulfilling these these core values that we say we hold dearly, care, courtesy, and consideration? How do we accomplish that? We do that in part through these honoring and listening to these commands from the writers of Scripture. Let's begin, and we're, again, we're not going to go through all of them. Let's, let's begin in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. They are listed here in the order which with, in which they are in Scripture. Any number of ways we could have gone through them. But let's begin in Mark chapter 9 and in verse 50. And we see this is from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. And as you go through here, most of these were from the apostles. There were a few from James, the the leader of the Jerusalem church, the brother of Christ. There were two here, commands from Christ himself. One of these here is in Mark chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 49. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? So again, the context here is, imp- is, is becoming more like Christ through trial, through self-improvement, through overcoming. Everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but only if it's used properly for the, in the right circumstances. If the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves. And then, the, and then he attaches this command to us, have peace with one another. In the context of all that we go through, in the context of, of being seasoned with fire and being seasoned with salt and all that these, this entails, there's a reminder here to have peace with one another, to have a loving, peaceful attitude, to be peaceable. We covered... In, a, in messages previously, what being a peacemaker involves. Being a peacekeeper is not a peacemaker. But to have this attitude of being peaceful to each other in the body, being peaceful to each other. Fundamental in how we interact with one another. We will skip the next one. We won't go there. That's obviously the command to wash one another's feet. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. When we go through the book of Romans, we know this is a very detailed, very doctrinal book where Paul, and we know Pastor Watson is going through it on Tuesday nights online. 
the book, the letter to Rome, to the, the, the Roman group, really talks a lot about these doctrinal issues where Paul will ask a question and then answer it. And he'll ask another question and answer it. Then when we get down to the, the last five chapters, then he gets into a little more fundamental issues, more rubber meets the road type of issues. And we see here in verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. That's philia, not agape. In honor, giving preference to one another. In the version I'm, I'm reading here, King James Version uses the word kindly affectioned. Kindly affectioned. So amongst all of this as a group, be kindly affectioned to one another. That refers to cherishing one's kindred, realizing that we are family. Galatians chapter 6 talks about the fact that there is something special about the body. To look after one another, but especially those of the household of faith. Galatians 6 verse 10, I think. Cherishing one's kindred, being fond, being fraternal towards fellow Christians. Realizing that we don't just gather together for three or four hours on a, on a Saturday, but we are a family. We are a family. And to have that feeling towards one another. While we're building towards agape, have this feeling of brotherly love, this philia that is referred to here, this kindly affection. And show honor, to show honor. We talk a lot, we've talked a lot this year about being outwardly focused, not focused on the present, on the me, 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 but being focused on, on each other. And we see here this played out in Paul's command, Paul's admonition to us, in honor, giving preference to one another, to esteem each other, as it says here, especially of the highest degree, to value the body. We can, again, reference back uh, the book of Philippians that talks about esteeming one another, Philippians 2, verse 3, esteeming one another better than ourselves. Again, these same concepts that we see here played out for Paul, given here by Paul. Let's go to uh, just drop down to verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble, and do not be wise in your opinion. Be of the same mind refers to living in harmony with and to be like-minded. We're not all going to agree on the same things, but we just read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talked about the spirit being of one mind. Acts chapter 2 talks about being of one accord. This Admonition here to be of the same mind talks about the harmony that should be within the family, that we, that, we are, that we are a family. We have the same goals. We have the same vision. We have the same mission. And through, through our individuality, we come together as a congregation, and we live in harmony with that and have this same mind. Romans chapter 13 talks about, and that's just one of several, many, many examples that uses this word agape. Let's briefly read Romans chapter 13. We actually just did. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. We'll revisit that in light of this word. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Owe no one anything except to love one another. And as we learn more about this word agape and this, how this describes who God, who God is and what makes God who he is, that everything, God is love. His law is love. His, his 
we go through, we can go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've studied this before. And we see the many ways that love, the love of God to become like God, which is what we're trying to become like. Right back to, again, all of these sort of link the entire storyline of the Bible together. Right back to Genesis 1 that talks about making us in his image and his likeness. Making us, having us full of the agape love. Reaching that point of perfection that he talks about in Matthew 5. We see the way agape is described here. It suffers long, verse 4, and is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own. It is not provoked, and it thinks no evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, and it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. We've taken that over to Galatians 5. We don't need to turn there, but that's the fruit of the Spirit. The singular fruit of the Spirit is, and it begins with the word agape, and then expands it out to describe what the fruit of the Spirit is. And you, you can read back those all into this little section here in 1 Corinthians 13, which we've done before. We'll move on to receive. We'll, skip, we'll briefly mention judge. If you recall our, our discussion on the word, the word krino, the Greek word krino, and the three words for judge, crino, anacrino, diacrino. And how this word crino, let's actually go there. We're going to go there. Romans 14, you're, you, were, you were there. Let's go back to Romans. Romans 14. And how there are three English, three Greek words for judge that are translated into the same English word judge here in Scripture. One means to condemn. Another means to self-inspect, to self-examine. And the other means to discern. What we see here is an example in Romans 14, verse 12. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. And here, this is actually a negative. We see here to judge not. Judge not in this respect, in the crino respect to, of, a, of, a cond, of a final condemnation. And again, what, that, what we studied earlier was how this, these three words allow us the opportunity to understand that it is our, as a member of the body and helping to build one another that we do discern and we do self-examine. But a final condemnation belongs not to us but to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. We can see that played out in other places in Scripture. This word receive is an interesting one. We're going to just going to flip the page over to chapter 15 in Romans. And again, this is all in the last half of the book of Romans that really talks about how to put these, these concepts into action. So we see a lot of these fundamental concepts here by Paul in the book of Romans. Romans 15, verse 7, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory 
of God. Now, while we, we can't, Christ obviously received us into the body, what he's referring to here and how the, the concepts of this word receive is to take by the hand, to take or receive into to one's home with the collateral idea of kindness. There, there, are ways, there are ways that we can do things and better ways that we can do things. We can have someone into our home or we can have someone walk into our congregation and just allow, there's, you know, there's a chair over there, go, go have a seat. Um, here's what we do. There, you'll find the hymn books back in the corner and we start at uh, 1 o'clock or we can receive them and welcome them in. With the, with the collateral idea of kindness, as one of the, the concordances puts here. And that's the, we're going to see as we walk through some of these things, the overall mindset of how this all supports agape and all supports putting on the mind of Christ. That there are, there are Christ-like ways to do things. And these, these descriptors will help us understand that in, in a better fashion. Dropping down to verse 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Able also to admonish one another. We take our family situation as an example. Things aren't always perfect in our family. Sometimes one of us in our family will do something that we need to discuss whether it's me, Lisa, Caitlin, Landon, we're not always top shelf in, in, in how we interact. Our admonition as part of the body is to reprove gently. This word admonish means to reprove gently. Even when, there's, when we talk about how to coax and improve behavior, it's, we see this word to reprove gently. That's important. That's important for us to understand. And important for us to to become better at. We see this word greet. We can we won't as as I said we're not going to go through all of them, but even there this concept to greet one another, much like we use this word receive, is there's a greeting, or we can do it joyfully. And some of the words that Paul and the writers use. And we know the Greek language, as, as we've heard and studied, is a dynamic language. It's very descriptive. So some of these words that Paul uses are purposeful. Not just to receive, but to receive joyfully. We'll drop down here. This is something that we get to practice every year at the, at the uh, Passover, the Agape meal, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And any time that we get together with whether it be here whether it be for any of our events but specifically here it's in the context of the Lord's Supper 1 Corinthians 11 verse 33 therefore my brethren when you come together to eat wait for one another or as the King James version says to tarry for one another that means we wait we expect so it's more than just waiting we expect and we're looking for the family's not complete until, until everybody else gets here. So we can't begin until the family, the, all the family gets here. We're expecting. We're waiting. We're looking for them. We, we hear the door. Even here, we hear the door open. And who's coming in next? 
That's tearing for someone. That's waiting for someone. That's joyfully anticipating their arrival. We see this word care. Just uh, go forward a chapter to chapter 12. Verse 24. We'll start the sentence in the middle of verse 24. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. That we should be anxious. So this word care, again, very descriptive in the Greek language. That we should be anxious or to be troubled with care and to look out for and to take thought of. This is this outward-focused, future-oriented mindset that we need to continue to put on that Christ had for us. Where we are troubled by what happens to the rest of the body, that we are anxious about it, that the, the health of the entire body matters to us and should matter to us. And we can't rest until it's all, until everyone is cared for. Again, very, very precise, very, very precise descriptors that Paul here is using for us. We, let's go to chapter Galatians 5. There's several in there that we can, we can sort of read together. Galatians chapter 5. We've, I referred earlier to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Here we'll begin in verse 13, and we'll go right through to verse 15 and cover off three in a row. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use what Christ has given us to be inward and me-focused. Use what Christ has given us to be outward-focused and future-oriented. But through love, serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So we've got this dichotomy. This, this, um, I was going to say dichotomy, but it's more a comparison here, an opposite comparison here. We've got love here, agape being being taught to us here, through this attitude of service, where as part of the body and using our gifts, we are we are to serve one another. That we are we are a slave to Christ, and therefore, by being a slave to Christ, we are a slave to His body, and we will do whatever it takes, whatever we are gifted to, whatever it takes to yield to and to serve the body. Compared to on the flip side, being self-absorbed and being worried about ourselves and how that can change the mindset into one that wounds the soul. This, this word here that is translated bite is, the, is a Greek word that talks about wounding the soul, to cut or to lacerate or to rend with reproach. Compare that to what we read about with the word admonition to admonish one another, and how that was to reprove gently. Here we have the word devour. If we, and, that it, and this is a process, and this is the comparison that Paul makes here. If amongst the body, if we get into a situation where we're wounding the soul, cut, cutting and biting, it then degrades and will naturally degrade into a process of devouring, where we will not where, where the, the condition influenced by the adversary will not, it won't be just enough to wound. 
but we'll get to the point where it will be our desire to utterly consume. And those are, that's a contrast, but it is still using the same word one another to describe God's expectations for the body. That we're not to be like this, but we're to be like that. Dropping down to verse 26. Again, after having gone through the descriptors here of the fruit of the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, verse 25, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. So again, this little section here are four that we are told not to be like this. So in addition to biting and devouring, we're told not to provoke or envy. And again, what we see here, the description here for provoking is to call forth to oneself, to challenge, to be irritating, to be negatively challenging. And envying, envying is, speaks for itself. It just means to be jealous of in a, in a selfish way. So what we're starting to see here is wherever we see the knots, these are things that where the focus becomes on ourselves. And we're encouraged and commanded not to be like that. Galatians 6 is one of my, has always been one of my favorites. I, certainly ones that, and as you go through here, and I'll ask, I'll, ask you, I'll ask us at the end for us to consider where individually we can be better at. And obviously individually that means where we then benefit the congregation. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brethren, if any man is overtaken in any trespass, You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. As part of the body, our expectation is that one person's burden is all of our burden. That we help to absorb some pressure. We help to sustain and support those who are going through burdensome situations. And again, all played out here with this reciprocity or mutual word, alone, which talks about this relationship of, of people together. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we see these, again, these, these admonitions played out throughout the writings of of the New Testament here. Verse 1, Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Again, fully supporting and and just another way that he puts that, that same conduct admonition that he, we talked about in Philippians chapter 1. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, a fundamental scripture that most churches view as, as being fundamental to their existence. You know, we um, might be, that might even be one that we had posted at the feast, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. But what we can't overlook is this word bearing, or the King James says to forbear. And again, one of, one of the ones that I look to, and is one of my favorites because it's it's one of the harder one of, it it is admittedly one of the harder ones to do as the people of God, and that is to put up with and to bear with one another, to endure and to suffer when things may not go my way. 
And that's one that I certainly, I certainly struggle with, and that's why I think it's one of my favorite ones that I need to do a whole lot of work on being able to forbear. Because as human beings, we, when we get self-focused, it's easy to be focused on ourselves, and that's when we don't forbear. That's when we, don't, we, we try to make things right so that we're more comfortable. But again, that command from God through Paul. Kind sort of speaks for itself, but let's go to, let's go to that scripture, the end of chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And if you recall, that was one of the scriptures that we used to describe our core value of caring. The, the described here as pleasant or benevolent. Where I used to work, we used to have a, an award that was called the easy to do business with. We need to be easy to get along with. It shouldn't be difficult to deal with us. And forgiving. And forgiving, obviously, we, we, we understand the, with the concept of forgiveness, but it's, it's, it's important enough that Paul reminds us here that we are to forgive one another, to restore one another, this word forgiveness means. To, in addition to, to pardoning, or it, it refers to restoring one another. Again, the valuing the concept of the body, that the body is not, is not right until all are restored. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about speaking. Let's go, to, let's go there. We can cover off a couple there as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Uh, we'll begin verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So, in addition to, to speaking from the pulpit, and then in, as we worship together, and as we study together, and whether it's here in, in the, the sanctuary, or whether it's in our, our studies together, or our interactions together, declaring one's mind and disclosing one's thoughts to each other. And that can be done through speech, through song, through worship. Making melody in your heart to, to the Lord. Giving thanks always to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Yielding oneself. Yielding one's desires for the benefit of the body. To, to, and again, submitting, as we see there, to obey, to be under obedience to, to subject oneself to. But really, the, the key word here to understand this concept is the word yield. That's really, that's really where we put our desires on the back for the benefit of the body. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And again, we don't have time to go into these in too much depth, but this is more a bit of a study aid. And we referred to this earlier, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in the lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. So we value the body when we consider our part in the body, that we all have a part to play. It's important in how we as part of treating one another and valuing the body, that we value what everybody else brings, that we, we esteem them, we esteem their, their gifts, that we think of them first rather than what can I give to the body? How can, I, how can this person serve the body? And how can we esteem them as part of the body? 
down to the last couple of slides here. Obviously, let's go to Colossians 3. Paul in verse, let's begin in verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these things anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Obviously, lie speaks for itself, but really talks about the, the ability to trust. That as a part of a valuable body, we need to be able to trust one another. And certainly, that word lie and the the command not to do that speaks for itself but a good reminder from the apostle paul verse 16 verse 16 again referencing the teaching and the speaking to one another the so here what uh, back in ephesians we looked at the the fact that we could speak to one another through spiritual songs and through the various forms of worship here in verse 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So in addition to speaking in these forms, it also allows us an opportunity to teach one another and to admonish, which we remembered was a, a way to reprove gently. So we can, we can be reproved gently, we can be admonished, we can be fulfilled, we can be uplifted through the various forms of worship. First Thessalonians 5, let's go there. And keep in mind as we go through this, Remember all of what we have been taught by Pastor Adrian, Deacon Jan, all the other speakers that have, that have spoken to us over the five years about all the context that surrounds this. So the letters that we have been previously reading from Romans through Colossians are congregationally related for specific issues. Here we get to Thessalonians, and we know that Thessalonians, Paul is talking to them about what it's going to be like in the re- lead up to the return of Christ. We studied that uh, in depth earlier this year. And comforting one another with these words as we see at the end of chapter 4 and realizing what the conditions are going to be like for the body in the lead up to the return of Christ. In the context of that, we come to these two words here in verse 11. Therefore, as he comes to the end of this passage on what the day of the Lord will be like in the lead up, comfort each other and edify one another as part of the body. So to console, to encourage and strengthen to, prom- to build up, to promote, to promote growth, to add grace to, to, to promote holiness. All this is building up the body. And especially here, what we, when we first did this five years ago, we really hadn't developed this idea of context of Scripture. But as we look at it now and look back on some of these, we can see the, the, some of these differences here, specifically here and the importance as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ and all that may affect the body. It will be very, very important for us to heed these admonitions as we, to value the body. Hebrews 10.24, we touched on that briefly with regard to the core value of consideration. Let's go to James chapter 4. We won't revisit uh, con, uh, consideration because we covered that earlier in our core values. Let's go to James chapter 4.
here we have another negative one brought up for our consideration. Verse 11, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. So again, to this idea of speaking against a brother, to incriminate a brother. I didn't notice that word traduce. Someone may have to educate me on that word. We'll look that, we'll look that one up in the sermon discussion. But again, this is all valuing the body, valuing the, helping to value and discern the Lord's body. Verse 9, uh, next chapter, verse 9. And as James comes through the end of his letter, and again, context, just previously talking, and remember we covered this as part of the diaspora. These were, these were uh, the tribes that were scattered and already under persecution. So again, part of the, the, the context here is persecution. After talking about patience in verse 7 and 8, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. So again, valuing the body and keeping some of these concepts out of the body. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Right here. Again, to acknowledge openly, agree fully, to confess, profess, or promise. When we wrong one another, it is incumbent upon us to acknowledge that, to acknowledge it fully and openly, and to make the body whole, and to do so in an attitude of prayer, that we seek God's will. First Peter chapter 4, moving on to the next one. Again, context again, even though we covered this Five years ago, the context here again of the diaspora and these and the the people of God that were under persecution. In light of that that context, we revisit this admonition here in First Peter four, to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Again, we just had that word grumbling. Here now we have down here to be hospitable to, and again that is to be to be fond of and to be generous. Again, there's a difference between opening your doors. And to be and being hospitable, and I, I do recall Pastor Adrian covering that concept of hospitality, not long after we gave this message four or five years ago. We covered this word subject oneself to. It's it's actually a repeat of the word submit earlier, but it, but put in here on purpose so that we could see that the the different English words that are are used sometimes for the same Greek word. We covered that with submit, where we subject ourselves to, where we yield ourselves to the desires of one another. So that's the generally the end of the list. Here, what I asked Caitlin to do was to put the do's and the don'ts on a list that you can see. I don't. I, hopefully, you can see the black. Um, but can we see a difference? Let's read. Let's let's read them. Here's what we're admonished to do, to be peaceable, to wash one another's feet, to be kindly affectionate, to give honor, to be of the same mind, to love, to receive, to admonish. Again, a negative with a twist of positive, which is to reprove gently, to greet, 
to wait for, to tarry, to care, to serve, to bear, to forbear, to be kind, to be forgiving, to speak, to submit, to esteem, to teach, to comfort, to edify, to consider, to confess, to pray, to be hospitable to, and to subject oneself to. Versus this short list, to judge or to condemn, to bite, to devour, to provoke, to envy, to lie, to speak evil of, or to grudge or grumble about. There's an obvious difference. There's an obvious difference here. All of these things that we are encouraged to do versus all these things that we are encouraged not to do. All around this mutual word, this relationship word of one another, this ad alone. And we can see here, as we, five years later, relook at this list and look at it in concept of our roadmap and where we want to be for God as a family, to be outward focused, to not be focused on the self, or to be inward focused and to be focused on the self, to be future oriented versus to be present oriented, to be kingdom focused or to be focused on the comfortabilities of this world. This is a big, big, big list. Where can we be better? Where can we be better? We have 153 days until Passover. Where individually can we be better so that congregationally we can be healthier, that we can be even more dynamic, a more forward-thinking body to serve Jesus Christ and his people. I would encourage us to look for a few areas where we can be better, where I can be better, where I can be a better service to God and his flock by improving some of these things and eliminating maybe some weaknesses that I have over there on that side. Let's, as we wind this down, go to Exodus chapter 24. These are a lot of admonitions from Christ, from the apostles, and from an early church leader, the brother of Jesus Christ, James. This is a big, big list. We started off in Nehemiah 9, talking about the group of covenant people recommitting. Exodus chapter 24 comes after the giving of the law to the first generation of Israelites. And verse 3 tells us, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. All of these things, the Ten Commandments, all of these things, what his expectations are, chapter 20, 21, 22, 23. And the people answered with one voice, That's interesting. They answered with one voice as a congregation, as an assembly. Together, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. These are big expectations. We we started off five years ago, and we refer to them. We throw them in the the, uh, sidebar of the bulletin. I look at these, and I see many, many areas where I can be better. Where can we be better? Where can we stand up? and say, I'm going to be better here, and I'm going to be better here, so that the body is healthier. Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll close. 
back to the book of Philippians. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. This here, this is selfish ambition and conceit. Let nothing be done that way. But in lowliness of mind, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to put on the mind of Christ? There's a lot of ways to define it. We will spend our lifetime becoming perfect, as our Father in heaven is perfect. This one way here, these 35 ways, through this one study, is one way for us to determine what it is to put on the mind of Christ, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made him sore of self of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And again, how we behave, how we interact, supports the gospel of Christ, as Paul writes earlier in this letter. So where can we be better? We definitely have some work to do. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, and we have work to do. We have 153 days until Passover next where we can show God some of the salt, some of the fire, some of the improvements he is making in our lives so that we as a congregation can be better at fulfilling our roadmap. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.